You're listening to Virgin Control, Pound and Grain's digital news show. Rebel Wilson, Chris Hemsworth, Cardi B, Morgan Freeman, Danny DeVito. No, this isn't an A-list after-party invite. This is just a short list of the celebrities who showed up in Super Bowl commercials and campaigns from this weekend. Brands like Pepsi, Amazon, and M&M's all have something substantial in common when it comes to their Super Bowl advertising. Celebrities. But if you eliminate the celebrity angle, do these campaigns still work? Don't get me wrong. Celebrities and famous faces bring a unique element to Super Bowl advertising. But if Keanu Reeves wasn't standing on a motorcycle telling you to make a website with Squarespace, would you care? Today's topic is all about the celebrity angle to Super Bowl advertising. Let's step into the time machine and head back to when celebrity advertising first took over the Super Bowl. The year is 1973, and lotion brand Noxema aired a spot starring Farrah Fawcett and Joe Namath. Simple in its premise, the spot featured close-up shots of Fawcett helping Namath shave. Brands realized something that would change the game forever. Celebrities make Super Bowl ads more fun. Since then, we've seen the likes of Michael Jackson, Britney Spears, Cindy Crawford, and even Betty White grace TV screens during the big game. In 2018, celebrities and Super Bowl spots have become so common, it's difficult to point out an ad that doesn't feature a recognizable face. Which leads us to today's topic. What do celebrities add to a brand when all you can remember is the celebrity. Think back to the Super Bowl weekend and all the entertaining commercials that you experienced. There was the star-studded Crocodile Dundee trailer, Morgan Freeman and Peter Dinklage's lip sync battle, and even Steven Tyler Benjamin buttoned himself, but without thinking about it for a minute. Do you remember the brands these celebrities were advertising? On one hand, having a famous face entertain millions of people on behalf of your brand can be truly powerful. And as advertising shifts towards content creation models and entertainment, we're only going to see more celebrity involvement. But on the other hand, brands need to be smart about their celebrity choices and how they get weaved into the brand story. The Super Bowl ad game is a three-hour battle royale of brand one-upmanship, and lately, the weapon of choice has been stunt celebrity casting. But does this add anything beyond the entertainment value? Is entertainment value worth more than brand recognition? Does it even matter? Let's huddle up and see. Oh my God, we're back. Finally. We're getting the rhythm again. Nick, are you pumped? I'm pumped. Okay, we're back. We're talking about the biggest thing in advertising nerddom of the year. TV spots, Scott's favorite, but uh, I'm Jackson from Pound and Grain. I'm here with Nick. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, ex- get some enthusiasm, Hi, Nick. Hi, it's Nick. <laughs> it's Jason uh, Manzoukas. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Jason Manzoukas. Uh, Scott Liu. Hello, filling in for Mark Cameron. <laughs> and the lovely Katie Snell. How's it going? It's going awesome. Where's the enthusiasm, Katie? That's just That's just my energy, but... It's because it's been too many presentations today. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, just it's too, been one of those days. Too much talking for a podcast. 
we're all just going to sit here and stare at each other. Yeah. <laughs> just a, <laughs> for 20 minutes. It's an audio stare off. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like it. No, but we're talking about Super Bowl. So this should be like right up our alley. Uh, it's going to make Scott mad because it's TV spots and he loves TV spots. Um, making them, writing them, watching them. Why is he shaking his head? I don't think he likes them. Because it's, it's always such a, a bleep show. It is. It is never a smooth process. It is. It is always very, very difficult mentally, and even sometimes physically to watch them or to create them. To create them, it, it takes a lot out of you. And I um, feel that about watching them sometimes. Agreed. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Super Bowl. Watching the Super Bowl spots was was tiring too. I mean, imagine taking that feeling and um, applying it to the ones that would cost just for the placement. Two point five million and up. Um, I thought it was starting at seven or something like that. I think for thirty seconds, isn't it like two point something? Bah. Where's the fact checking? I thought that was your role. It was. <laughs> now I have to step in for Mark. So no fact checking. No facts. <laughs> Mark. Uh, <clears throat> it's expensive. So the 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 the, the anticipation, uh, hopes, dreams, uh, desires of return on investment are massive. Um, at the Super Bowl. That's why we like digital, because you can track everything, you see all the results, lower stakes, faster output, turnaround, A-B testing, all the good stuff of digital. You have one shot at Super Bowl. Some people nail it. 2018, who nailed it? What was the, what were the, what were the highlights? Katie, what was your highlight? Um, I think it's very easy to say Tide nailed it this year. Um, I originally wasn't super fond of the Amazon Alexa ads, but I will say I think they nailed it. I think the timing was good for Amazon as well, just as a brand. Um, I don't know. Are there any others that caught your eye? Well, not necessarily for entertainment purposes, but for function, I thought Netflix killed it. Mm, yeah, um, definitely. And I got 100% suckered into onto what that trailer was for Cloverfield Paradox. Um, being a fan of the franchise, um, and then watching the movie directly after the game, and it was a terrible movie, but it doesn't matter, because I watched it, and, and the only reason I was going to watch it is because they told me to during the game, and it was I found that very effective. Mm-hmm. I did not watch the Super Bowl. I just want to say why, that. Why are you here, Nick? Come I'm on. See ya. Uh, I've watched the commercials after, like a post-game, but I think that I would fall under... Uh, you know, the demographic of people who were missed by a Super Bowl commercial. Well, it's the that's the thing. It's the biggest uh, television event of the year, uh, like between 115 and 118 million viewers right. um, in the U.S. So it's 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 the best. If you want to reach people, that's when you do it. And it's kind of this tradition that that's what. Um, People bring their their A games to the creative and their A game celebrities. Um, so, did you all watch the Super Bowl, or did you just watch all the commercials? I watched the whole thing. I watched five and a half hours of television. I made my own caramelized onion dip with uh, perfect uh, chips, and I had some chicken wings. I had a beer. I did all. I did it all, Nick. That's all the stuff. Yeah, and then I watched ads, um, and then. Sort of watch the game in between the ads. <laughs> Katie? Uh, I did watch the Super Bowl. We had a little watching party. Um, I can't say I'm a huge fan, so was I as tuned in as the average person? No. Um, but obviously I'm interested in it from a branding perspective. I, um, 
did not actually watch the game. Instead, I watched old episodes of Riverdale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had an RSS feed that would ping me every time a new commercial would come up. So I actually watched the commercials as they became available online. And I didn't even know who won the game until like the next day. It was um, kind of a reversal for me, where like normally the commercials are where you're like second screening it and checking Twitter. In the game, I was doing that during the game. No offense, Patriots and Eagles. Uh, and then watching, uh, paying attention for the commercials, which I agree with Katie. Tide definitely cleaned up. Zing. See what I did there, Nick? Yeah. Uh, I agree on the Netflix. Let's talk about the other, like, the other big things that I thought were like solo trailer. That was pretty big. Yeah, definitely. Like, a, tr- a teaser for a trailer that released the next day. Uh, it's just epic, considering that no one thought it was going to actually be released. There's was- a larger, I think there's a larger story around that too, which we were talking about earlier, is like just kind of nobody expected anything from that. Uh, when they announced that that may be coming, and then all of a sudden it did, and then it became its big thing, and they used the Super Bowl to really kind of launch it into pop culture, which is a great platform. But I think, like, overall, like, movie trailers, entertainment properties really did a nice job this year, which is very different compared to past years where it's things like Pepsi and P&G, which come out as the heavy hitters. Like, I guess if we're going to, like, if we're talking about things that were memorable, for me it was the entire entertainment category really didn't, yeah. did, did a really nice job this year. I feel like the Super Bowl really just is entertainment opulence at its greatest for a few so hours, American. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Says the girl from Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't watch the Super Bowl and there's so much entertainment, yeah. Uh, but it makes sense as to why a lot of the spots are heavily influenced with celebrities. Everybody from, like, Danny DeVito was an M&M. And even the Tide spot that we're talking about was, like, the sheriff from Stranger Things. It's, like, all these recognizable faces. So I think today's topic is more about, like, definitely what was good, but did the celebrities add anything to that? Do they change things for you? If it wasn't Keanu Reeves standing on a motorbike telling you to make a Squarespace website, would you still do it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would. <laughs> Keanu has no effect on Nick. No, I was going to say um, there's a, a, just a hint of familiarity that comes with it because for some reason we feel like we know celebrities. Um, so if it's a, a spokesperson who I recognize rather than just a random actor, I feel like it's an old friend giving me a suggestion rather than someone trying to hawk a, a wear. It's a good point. I mean, I think that's ultimately where it came from um, from before. Like, if you go back in history, in my in my research for this, I did find a really old Super Bowl spot with Joe Namath and Farrah Fawcett, and that was one of the first um, that was aired during the Super Bowl with, like, a big celebrity. Um, and I think it kind of, like, hit a chord with everyone. It's like, you got these recognizable faces. Everybody's watching. Let's Let's put on a show. And it was it was ridiculous. Oh yeah, she shaves his face. Yeah, <laughs> like that was the commercial. Yeah, it was Farrah Fawcett just shaving Joe Namath's face. It was yeah. weird. Seventies <laughs> though, man. Seventies weird. But the funny thing is, during that entire conversation, I was trying to remember what product it was for, and I still can't remember what it was for. I know it was some yeah. sort of shaving cream, but again, yeah. like, what was the tagline though? I'm so excited. I'm gonna get cream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
closer you shave, the more you need creamy, soothing, medicated Noxzema. Let Noxzema You've got a great pair of hands. So innocent in the 70s, so not in 2018. You couldn't do that commercial anymore. <laughs> the thing about Scott's point about the entertainment brands making headway this year, and then Nick, your point about um, celebrity adding credibility, I think the, the, the jumping off point there of where it works and where it doesn't work is... A uh, guy from Stranger Things actually doing fun, entertaining stuff. Totally works. Tide, super fun. You, like, everyone wanted to know when the next Tide spot was throughout the game. Never seen that before. Like, people wanting more ads. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, Matt Damon standing in front of a desk talking about Stella Artois. Totally earnest, doing something. Nobody is going to buy that. Like, it's just bad use of celebrity, boring, non-entertaining. No one's going to buy that special chalice of a cup to deliver water to people around the globe. No offense. I, I think it's a great cause. I just don't... It's not going to happen. I, I think what Tide did particularly well is that the memeability of that ad superseded the value of the celebrity. So you got Tide more than you got him, but he added so much, like, you know, you could recognize him. Um, he was a great character in all of the spots, so it was the perfect balance of both of those things. Uh, but his versus, celebrity didn't overshadow totally, the exactly. idea. Whereas, like, if you had Matt Damon doing that, it would have been not as cool. No, but I think you're right. I think it's a balance, right? Like, what you're saying is, like, it's got to be entertaining without the celebrity, and then if you add the celebrity, it can't take away from that entertainment. It can't overshadow it. It can only add to it. And I think like that's where a lot of brands are failing, is they just say, well, we've got this thing. It'll be better if we put a celebrity in it, which is which might be true, but it should be good to begin with. And so if you like remove the celebrity, it should still be good. Which brings me back to the freakiest ad, Steven Tyler in IKEA. <laughs> because that <laughs> Steven Tyler did not make that ad better to me. He made it memorable. He did definitely made it memorable, but I'm not going to go buy IKEA because it turns it gives Steven Tyler the Benjamin Button effect. It's haunting you, not entertaining you. Exactly. Yeah. But what? So if it was a different celebrity, like would that have added to it, subtracted to it? It would have been funnier if it was Brad Pitt because he'd already done Benjamin Button and he doesn't age. Yeah. Or Tom Cruise. Also doesn't age. Yeah, they drink <laughs> vampire blood or baby yes. blood or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> I want some. It'd be great. <laughs> I think I think your point, Scott, is a good one though. That that should be kind of the um, the rationale for the brief when you're thinking about celebrity usage and advertising is um, is the celebrity the idea or is the celebrity adding to the idea? And I think Tide was the latter, and it worked really well ones it seems like they bought media and they bought a celebrity and there wasn't a whole lot else going on agreed and i i I know you brought up the alexa spot earlier i am still not a fan of that spot and mainly because it it is made for celebrities where they just used it as a vehicle you could have slapped any celebrity in there and it was just like a rotating um carousel of like oh it's it's ramsey it's cardi b it's it's whoever we can put anybody in this um so 
those ones to me don't they're not as effective um where it could be any celebrity it's it makes sense to me when the celebrity ties it together, um, when when there's a brand story that can be tied together by that celebrity, where it makes sense. And that's why I bring it back to Tide, right? Because it's like the gruff sheriff from Stranger Things. It makes sense that he's like plays all these characters because it's funny and it's different. Whereas, like, again, I hate to harp on it, but like Steven Tyler aging backwards in a car doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I think like the Tide spot allowed them to just keep going and iterate on a already good idea where then it was just like, oh, we can also get the old Spice guy on a super long horse. And all of that like, just took it like two steps more that added to it. Whereas like the Alexa one, I agree. I mean, I would like to have Gordon Ramsay as the voice of my Alexa. That's actually, you can get that now. That just got announced today. Really? So, yeah. like, from so that- Gordon Ramsay will be your Alexa voice as like a recording at this point. Amazing. Yeah. See, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it is kind of fun. I, I, And what changed my mind about the Alexa spot, because originally I had the same thing where it felt like celebrity for celebrity's sake. But then you think about the message that Amazon is actually trying to tell mostly the U.S. with that spot. It's that they're super big and powerful and that they are taking over the world. And by having all these expensive celebrities in like the ad, you know, advertising opulence really was what that spot was. It probably did that kind of effectively, as much as that might be cringy. Um, which and you know, it becomes kind of fun when you can actually get Gordon Ramsay's voice and some things like that that add some value to the consumer. So that was what took me from being really off of it to being kind of understanding of it. Also, like definitely top five performances in an ad by the actual CEO. Like Bezos was like actually not completely horrendous. <laughs> Have you heard the rumors that because they said the weather of Austin in the ad that that's like a hint that that's where their headquarters is going to be? Oh, really? Yeah. See, that so we're not to me getting it here in Toronto. <laughs> Which is what I mean. Like, I think that ad was in a lot of ways to an investor almost audience to say like, look how big we are because we spent all this money. That's an interesting undertone to it. I'm gonna. Take that into consideration the next time I hate watch it. <laughs> I, I would still say it's it, it's not the worst offender for it's not like the Keanu Reeves. It's I even thought the Doritos Mountain Dew crossover um, lip sync battle lip sync battle between Tyrion and God, <laughs> guy who escapes from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, was like not like to me. It was just like yeah, okay. Like, there's a subtle thing in that about ice and fire with the Doritos and the Mountain Dew. But, it, like, at the end of the day, like, are you ever going to want to watch it again? Like, I think that's the thing. Like, will people engage? Like, I bet people watch those Tide Spots, like, repeatedly afterwards because mm-hmm. they're just entertaining in their own right. It's, right. It's fascinating to me how many moments of the Super Bowl you can tell, and I am talking about Justin Timberlake right now, mm. tried to like tag into young internet culture and didn't do it very well, and then Tide was the only one that actually kind of tied into internet and, culture. And, and they needed to, because like all people had in their mind was popping some of those delicious Tide pods in their mouths during the Super Bowl instead of a wing, right? <laughs> so they needed a PR like win badly, with their brand, given the sort of like delicious looking Tide Pods, 
Yeah. I can't wait for weird food things to be a meme trend of 2018. It's going to be great. Yeah. That, the, that whole Tide Pod thing still blows me away. <laughs> it's it, it makes no sense. But I think that's the, the problem. Let's get meta here. But if you have celebrities in your Super Bowl spots and you have celebrities on your Instagram feeds and they're the, like, mega influencers, they're basically just, like, eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> like yeah. whatever they're whatever they're doing, like probably the un, unsung hero of Super Bowl spots was that um, Kylie Jenner used the Super Bowl to like totally announce her baby and like got everyone's eyes off the bowl, b- ball of the Super Bowl because this is when she was going to release all her information about here's baby. What's the weird name? Stormy. 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 With That's it. Stormy with an eye. Yeah. yeah. It's like Stormzy. He's a rapper. Yeah, Storm Eye or Stormy Daniels (laughs) or Stormy Daniels. Yeah, just like just bad branding. This is a ridiculous article that I just pulled up. So we were talking about Kylie Jenner announcing her pregnancy during the Super Bowl and sort of riding the wave of the Super Bowl's popularity in order to do that. This article from the BBC: Kylie Jenner's baby Stormy breaks Instagram-like records. Imagine being like that, being your claim to fame as a minute old child you broke an Instagram record and that's why she's like her makeup brand is worth like a billion now like she's she's the the breadwinner of all Kardashians and she took basically like most of last year off of social media all roads at version control lead to the Kardashians I know (laughs) I know I know I didn't want to go there but like it it, see the Super Bowl is beyond just the ads it's a platform because everyone's tuning in to something. You're online, you're watching something, you're looking at Twitter, and that's the the place where if you're doing your baby launch or your brand launch or don't look at our Tide Pods as a delicious <laughs> appetizer, here's our delicious commercials. I'm using Scott's language there. Mm, delicious. <laughs> but, okay, so, I mean... Celebrities aside, then you brought up an interesting point before we got started. Is your favorite spot actually had no celebrities in it? Bud, the Bud Night. The Bud Night. Yeah. So what makes the Bud Night so memorable for you? Well, I think for me, it's more from a creative perspective that you don't have the celebrities. Uh, you have nights, a lot of cast members. It's kind of ridiculous. They kind of extended it. <coughs> they extended it beyond. The, the ad in the Super Bowl where they had like team centric kind of like uh, old timey pronouncements uh, internet videos like I decree you know the Patriots of New England like it was a whole thing that they did this medieval sort of thing and then the the Bud Knight is just this kind of cool dude who just isn't really all that interested in helping the people I mean, it's just like it, it just seemed fun and in a way that didn't need celebrity. Like, you didn't mean, like, oh, take off the helmet and it's... Um, Adam Driver. Yeah. See, that's... I was already kind of thinking that, at the risk of being divisive, that um, if the concept's strong enough, you shouldn't need a celebrity. Yeah. The celebrity can just waltz in and, you know, you don't need any concept whatsoever, really. You already know who you're talking to, or who's talking to you, I should say. Yeah. But, I don't know, that's just my perspective on it. I agree, though. I think that if the, if the concept is strong enough, a celebrity only adds to it. 
Right. Um, but then again, it's got to be the right celebrity that would add to it. Not right. But it, if you're creating the spot, you might say, why double up? <laughs> yep. True. I agree. Like, and, and like we were joking about it, like, unf- like what if it was Matt Damon that was underneath the Bud Knight <laughs> gear? Right. It would take away from the spot. It would, I think. O- it would only be some funny if then one of the like, like, peasant surfs in the background was like Matt Damon <laughs> then it would be hilarious alright well uh, now we're just writing a better spot <laughs> <laughs> the, the the only other one about like just taking us back to like the power of celebrities we did not talk about Australia tourism no and that was the most celebrity filled uh, piece of entertainment I'm not even going to call it a spot is it a spot or is I want to watch the whole movie Refresh our collective memories. Oh, 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 Nick. Uh, the premise was leading up to the Super Bowl, there was a trailer for the new Crocodile Dundee movie um, where uh, Danny McBride is like some sort of long lost son of Crocodile Dundee returning to the Australian outback. Dot, dot, dot. That's how the, that's how the lead up teasers were. Like, it's a full movie. It looks beautiful. They spent. Like thirty million dollars on it or something, something like that. Ridiculous. But every Australian actor you can think of is in it. Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, <laughs> the Hemsworths, plural. Yeah, like all three of them. The Edgertons. Probably the Edgertons. Um, and in the end, Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine was in it. In yeah. the end, you realize that it's not a movie; it's a tourism spot to get you to go to Australia. Yeah. Genius. But that seemed like so high up there in entertainment. Versus just the cele- the celebrities made that possible. So that is going to be a movie now, though, right? It, it's not. Though. <laughs> no, but, but it, like, and but that's exactly what you were saying earlier, where like the movie trailers really came out on top. Mm-hmm. This is a brand that was like that looked at last year probably and was like the most watched and most enjoyed pieces of entertainment at the Super Bowl were movie trailers. So why don't we just make our ad a movie trailer? And it was brilliant, smart. It's interesting that we're talking about celebrities, but any of these what we're calling successful ads, Australia Tourism, Tide, they have some kind of shared equity in entertainment during the Super Bowl. So Tide is playing off of ads that you would see at the Super Bowl, and it's stealing that equity and making it hilarious. So many of them do it kind of the easy but likely very expensive way of getting a celebrity endorser or um, Tourism Australia just ripped off the format of a movie trailer. So it's it's different ways in of playing within the same field. Oh my god, I love that theme song so, so much. Best money we've ever spent on the internet. Digital picks, who wants to go first? This is our favorite part. I nominate Nick. Okay. Why do I, uh, there's only one nomination. That's okay. I'll still do it. Scott wants to get the depressing one out of the way. <laughs> har, har, har. <laughs> I don't even think this one's depressing. This is a good thing for uh, musicians and artists in the world because we've talked about Spotify a number of times and or digital streaming services. Uh, Spotify has recently instituted a new feature wherein you will be able to see credits for artists uh, and track listings. So it'll be more like a, uh, a more analog experience, like when you would open up an LP and read the liner notes. 
But also, from my perspective, I think that it's great because a lot of times there are, you know, five or six writers on a song. And you'll only see the name of the band and or the um, name of the solo musician. Or producer. Or or producer. Or you won't see the producers at all if it's a, a, you know, pop singer or a rapper or something like that. And then that gets murky when you becomes time to uh, divide the money. Fair, yeah. Or not fair. Or not fair, yeah. The only way that you could ever really knew how to do it was from songwriting credits. And when the, the platform that people listen to their music on doesn't show that, then it's very difficult to move forward with that. So do you think that it was to the point where like this was absolutely needed for the average music fan? Or do you think this is just something that they've done specifically for the artist? To be like, you you need you wanted this. We're we're gonna do this for you. Definitely for the artist. I don't think the average music fan cares at all. Oh, why really would should they? Um, but then again, I'm maybe I'm not the average music fan, but I am the type of person who loved to pour, to pour through liner notes. So I would like to see a little bit more of that experience come back into come into the digital realm. Um, even if you go on a band camp or something like that, it's more set up for the artist. But you can put things like, um, you can put lyrics, descriptions of your songs and things like that. You can't do that on Spotify. They don't mm-hmm. offer it. I'm not really sure why they don't either. I think it's just more maintenance upkeep on their mm-hmm. part. But uh, this is a step in the right direction, at least. That's good. Yeah. I kind of attribute it a little bit to like the DVD extras of music. It is the DVD extras of music. Which I'm totally down with. Everyone's down for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I miss DVD extras. I still buy them, so I don't miss them anymore. <laughs> it's interesting. It feels like uh, streaming services like Spotify made listening to music so seamless. You lose a lot of kind of the magic of what it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you had to, you know, torrent things, you had to look into it a little bit deeper than you would now, and just so much gets lost in that experience. Absolutely. So, yeah. But even when Spotify pulls in genius lyrics or little notes or they're trying to add some more multimedia Mm -hmm. uh, experiences to the streaming platform too. Um, I don't know. I like where they're going with that. We'll see where it goes. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I read an interview with Beck in which he posited that if he was starting out, no one would ever know his name. Like he wouldn't have hit the, the heights of success that he has in, well, 2017 is when he said that. But because um, just no one would take the time to read into who he actually was. You'd just be part of a larger um, playlist. Mm-hmm. It's just one more song that's happening in the background. So maybe all it, it's interesting to think of you know how musicians and musical artists are going to be perceived in the future because you might just all be more like session background performers. There might not really be personalities in the same respect. Yep. I like that idea of... Beck being a session background player for my life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of loser playing over and over. <laughs> like, didn't didn't have to be that song, Jackson. You could be like, doesn't it? I don't know any of his other songs. Um, two turntables. Yeah, the new pollution. These are all just like Odile. That's true. There's been other songs. <laughs> we only know one album. Yeah. <laughs> Hence, why we need this service. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Okay, good. Who's next? Uh, I'll go next, um, sticking in the theme of streaming. So um, recently ESPN and Disney announced a $5 a month streaming platform where you can stream live sports. Mm. 
the massive catch. None of the sports you can stream online will match up with any of the sports you can watch on their cable network. <laughs> so, so you watch every, all the cricket matches? So it reminds me of the Ocho from that movie Dodgeball, where it's yeah. just kind of like the most obscure sports. <laughs> Um, Obscure Sports Weekly? Yeah, and, and I, to be honest, like if it is that, I'd consider subscribing just to see what's out there. Like they extreme ping pong or something. Ping pong's sweet to watch, actually. Yeah, but they, never, but they never show it on ESPN 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. No. Or that's, history. That's why you needed Ocho ESPN 8. Right. So uh, the big news going around is that they're, they're very obviously being a little bit cagey about the fact that you can't actually stream sports that every that the you know most people want to stream but i'm kind of looking at it in the other way and be like well what you got like why is that yeah. that you can't stream sports is it just that cable packages or just do like they're trying to, them up yeah they're trying to keep everybody on the cable world well, like yeah. when nbc pays x for the rights right. you don't want to like resell it somewhere else but you can get that there's that app dazen yeah that you can buy like one-off sports programs on your phone or your tablet Wow. That's interesting, though. I know that the NFL's package with NBC is expiring in 2020. See how much this streaming service can do in two years and how many subscribers you can get to the point where you're actually realistically competing with, and they're going to, it's Disney, you know, um, Google or Facebook or Disney or any of these other services that could realistically be the next contract for big sports. Yeah, I did, and and like I, I think that's a really good point because what they're doing is they're planting the seed. They're saying we yeah. don't have the rights to stream anything yet, but when we do, we're gonna have the technology and it'll be seamless. And it's really smart of them to do that. Like I know ESPN gets a lot of flack because it's a, it's like the big brother of sports coverage and stuff like that. But this I think is actually quite a smart move. But MLB, uh, Major League Baseball, their platforms and they like run the platforms for baseball and. Um, hockey now, so like there's a subsidiary of that started as Major League Baseball, and now they're running hockey as well. They have apps that you can do low grade package for a certain amount a month and just get live feed of of each game, like basically like not footage, but you get um, highlight videos as the game's in progress. Plus, you can turn on like an animated feed of like here's the pitch count, here's the pitch all that sort of stuff. And then like there's a package above that where you can just watch the full game. So like you can get a monthly package and watch all games just from your phone directly from the the league. Um which and it's really good um quality, but the the lower package that I get just to have in the background cuz you can it has all the radio feeds in so you, for each game you get the radio feed from each team and then the Spanish feed if you want. So you can like listen to opposing feed of the game um, while you're watching the, the kind of thing. So it's, it's great being on the East Coast because you're late at night and you can watch that. But It's kind of funny, how many, like thinking back on it, how many times I've gone over to someone's house when they've said, come watch the game, and then they're like looking up Reddit forums for like the best link to find the Jays game right now. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is, this is Bush League, what we're, we've got going on here. Yeah. So, so it's, this is a good thing. Kind of. <laughs> I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's also Disney itself as a as like a massive entity is getting ready for something big in the streaming world. hundred percent. Twenty four hour a day Star Wars content. Hey, when they own it, why why do they rent out the licenses to Netflix? Yeah. They might as well just be streaming it themselves and now they're setting up for sports and eventually we're all gonna be wearing the ears, guys. <laughs> when are, when's there gonna be the crossover where like like the teams are named like the like. Um, there was the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. 
Yeah, but like thing brands that people care about today. <gasps> oh. Like oh. the Game of Thrones, like uh, the, uh, Lannisters the Lannisters versus the Starks. Yeah, versus like the X Men versus the like the brands, the, the brands coming into the sports things, which would solve a lot of their problems because then you don't have those like awkward names like the Redskins or the Indians, and you can just like transcend a bunch of problems by yeah, going but- complete to entertainment. My digital pick this week is, um, so this week the Center for Humane Technology was announced, which is basically a bunch of ex-Google Facebook people who are uh, advocating for more design ethics and technology to make us less addicted to things. Um, so Tristan Harris is the most famous one who I, I've sort of been paying attention to him when he was still working at Google to now him not being at Google and the stuff that he's trying to do. Um, But their website is cool and they have all these stats about the apps that make you the most happy versus the apps that make you the most upset or are the most addicting. And they're essentially advocating for what I can only describe as like a nutrition label for digital properties where it kind of tells you what you're getting into before you do it. Uh, which is a cool concept. That's crazy. That's yeah. really smart, though. That's like Facebook contains or warning may cause. So is it, would it be like, like we talked about on the last episode with Netflix just starting an, another episode? Is it like limiting that or just giving you a warning? Like- um, there's they have a couple <laughs> of like tips for what you can do right now, and it's apps that you can download that will limit your amount of time on certain apps. It's mostly directed at phone technologies right now um but there's also a beautiful film that they made which is going after netflix for things like that and youtube for things like that um so it's it's a the combination between having like design um integrity conferences and things like that to education to raising funds (coughs) and trying to i don't know support apps and developers and designers that are doing it in a better way but I'll, I'll name some of the apps that make you the most happy versus apps that make you the most No, only tell us the happy ones. Happy. Just no, happy. I, I only want to know the sad ones. <laughs> <laughs> so most happy is Calm. Makes sense. Uh, Google Calendar. Headspace. Um, MyFitnessPal and Audible are all top apps for making you more happy. Audible, I can see. Yeah. I don't know about the others. That's just me. I mean, I'm sure their like algorithm isn't exact yet, but it gives you a sense. Yeah. There's also a cool visualization. We'll put a link um, up, but there's a cool visualization of the t- how your how many how much time spent the happy people who are using a certain app spend on that app <coughs> versus the not happy people, mm-hmm. and you realize that it's just Facebook isn't bad, but it's getting you addicted to spending so much time on Facebook that it becomes bad. Mm-hmm. And that so that was kind of part of it, but. Um, Least Happy, Grinder, Candy Crush, Facebook, uh, WeChat, Reddit. Wow. Yeah. I found the fact that Reddit was above Instagram actually kind of su- surprising. Oh, so that was in order. Um, it's in order of least happy, but then there's, I'm sure there's a multiplier with time spent too. So Reddit is technically worse, but you would spend more time on Instagram, stuff like that. I don't remember it exactly, but it, it visualizes both. Which is kind of cool. It does kind. Of, I I see it though. I see those ones, especially not well, not all of them, but not that I'm some sort of. I know what they're talking about at all. But like those ones, when you do pop them open, you find yourself. The longer you spend on them, the less happy you are. Yeah. I think that's kind of what what they're talking about. Whereas, is the other ones are the opposites. The longer you spend on Headspace, the happier you might be. I get it for Audible, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, interesting. So, what's the ultimate goal for these guys then? I I think it's to. 
it's it's advocating for better design and better um, integrity of these companies. But I think ultimately that will make its way into how companies are evaluated and how they're measuring success. I have a really hard time with Facebook right now because um, they they always talk about how they make product updates to make people more happy and for it to be better for you and your relationships. But at the end of the day, they're measuring monthly active users and advertising dollars. So that that's not your goal at all because you're not measuring that and you're not going to perform better on that if you're not measuring it and if your investors aren't privy to what that data is. So I think eventually all of these things will kind of come together. Um, I think everyone was sort of chasing scale so much that they did it without thinking about what people actually want on the other side and what's actually good for people. Mm-hmm. So eventually that will hopefully kind of normalize. And not that I'm advocating for these crazy large companies to keep doing this, but we are in uncharted territory. Totally. So it's like, I, I don't know, I definitely could not have predicted the addictive components of a lot of these apps, but now that they're here, I think it's good that this company exists to kind of warn us about it. Yeah. Um, but in their, I guess in their defense, it's kind of like, well, this happened. We didn't necessarily try to make it happen, but it happened and we're, we have to deal with it. And you're exactly right that you don't realize that you need a nutrition label until you've made things too bad for people and you've seen the effects and then you kind of have to realize where more transparency is needed and all of that. It's so funny how humans just can't handle moderation. The internet's a good thing. Just not too much of it at one time. Yeah. Lots of good things, just not too much of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Well, if we would just bring on the bots, we could just like have more leisure time to surf on the internet. So the thinking goes, yeah. Yeah, like it all comes together there. Speaking of the internet, shameless plug, everybody go to StoryHive and vote for the Berg. Uh, yeah. Yes, please do that. Nick, filmmaker, audio guru, uh, curmudgeon, <laughs> uh, celebrity impersonator, uh, has a wonderful uh, short. What is it, a digital short? No, it's a series. It's series. a web series pilot. Pilot um, on StoryHive. StoryHive.com? I should know this. Yeah, I should know that too. Tell us storyhive.com. <laughs> well, if Mark was here, I could be fact checking it. So, again, Mark's fault. Tell us storyhive, the Berg project page. Yeah. Give us a vote, vote, please. Daily. And that was a great segue. And thanks for that shout out, Scott. I think we're time. ready for Jackson's mm. digi pick. <laughs> and my digital pick is I haven't seen like that many like fun. AR applications and the New York Times has one like in content but it's kind of cool because you're like scrolling down the page and like sub story I'm now a subscriber to the New York Times for the first time so like I've taken a leap into adding another subscription into my already growing subscription of cable Netflix what's the crave crave Apple Music uh, I'm going to bring it up on my phone, which is hilarious for a audio podcast. But just so you guys in the room can see, this is me inside of my living room watching The Bachelor, but also playing with like little miniature um, 3D AR um, members of the U.S. Olympic team. And I can like go around them. You can make them like full size, full real life size, and you can go around them. You can also make them miniature size, which I chose to do because it felt really fun to have tiny um, little figure skaters um, at my feet. You can also just never enter society again and make those your friends. I Well, that's basically what we're on the precipice for here. Right. But an interesting use where like, they're bringing the AR 
into editorial content and making it part of the storytelling. You don't see a lot of like practical storytelling uses for it. It's like practical, I can buy something, I can get something. This actually brings an athlete to life in a way that, you know, a, a regular JPEG scrolling through an app story doesn't when you don't have video or you don't have uh, something. So kind of cool way that they did it. Probably cost prohibitive for them, but they have a whole studio doing AR, AR stuff now. So is the idea that if a figure skater or a skier is in AR, you're seeing what they're actually doing in their sport and you're supposed to kind of get a better understanding of that? Because that's conceptually really cool. No, because it... <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> that would be would really be. cool. <laughs> you just get miniature speed skaters in your living room. Well, like the, the figure skater, um, Nathan Chen, who like I showed you guys, you also get like full 360 of him doing like a quad jump. So you can like go all around, like he's in your living room, you're seeing him do his thing. That gives you kind of a perspective of like the height, the scale, the kind mm-hmm. of athleticism, but like they don't have it in the real time yet. Like I think that would be the the game changer technology, like just to bring it all back to the Super Bowl. Like if you could do AR and like have those players like running in front of you in your living room through your nacho dip, that would be super cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the for the Olympics it's particularly cool too because they're things you don't see very often. They're crazy and you don't really get a good it's the understanding sports. of yeah. It's the of sports what's you don't on. normally watch, which I really like, right? So yeah. I think that the AR thing works really, really well. I can see a lot of potential in that. So the the other thing is like as you're like interacting with it with it and gives you responses and effects as you kind of interact with it. So like there's some cool I don't know language or UI elements that like no one knows what to do with yet like how do you interact with a 3D version of someone in AR right without a mouse do you think it's weird to interact with an AR version of yourself like if you're one of these Olympians (laughs) I'm furiously nodding (laughs) (laughs) Scott, Scott you would be into like interacting with like another Scott Nobody would be interested in <laughs> another Scott Jackson. But you could set it up for your cats. That's totally when different you're story. When you're away. And also a different episode. <laughs> uh, coming soon to Version Control, an episode all about Scott's cats and AR. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Look at that. Look at me. Look at the knife play. Thanks for listening to Version Control, episode 31, the Super Bowl Celebrity Cameo. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes. 